Hi and welcome. I'm your host, Maida, and this is the Catalyst Club podcast, a show where I sit down with catalysts of change who have been there, done that, and even gotten the souvenir t-shirt. Our topics focus in the communication layer of the tech stack, where software, infrastructure, and services come together to deliver outstanding CX and digital employee experience. Welcome to the first episode of Catalyst Club Podcast. I'm your host, Baida, and I'm really excited for today's episode because we're going to kick things off with the man, the myth, the legend who let me do this, Mr. Joe Rice from CXponent. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. And as a longtime podcast listener, first time podcast producer, host, uh, enabler, yes. I, don't, I don't know what the right, right term is. but yeah, <laughs> Enabler is probably the right term. <laughs> So yeah, I just wanted to jump right in. I know that you had a really interesting career path to get to see Exponent. So I just wanted to see if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got here. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to be in sales in some fashion. I ended up getting a job at AT AT&T out of school and then went into work for Quest, which turned into CenturyLink, which is now Lumen, kind of a big telco. And both those roles were enterprise sales. So I learned a lot. It was a really good foundation, especially for what we're doing today, but they weren't necessarily great sales cultures or environments where I was kind of challenged and I learned a lot, but it was, you know, I was kind of always looking for something more. One of the things that would often happen is we'd go build trust relationship client, which I really like that process. And, you know, sometimes the company that you represent doesn't have great products or doesn't have a fit for what the client needs. And so in 2012, I ended up going to Avant Communications, which is one of the biggest TSBs out there, technology services brokerages today. So that was a good jump to get into the channel. Excellent. And then from Avant, what kind of trends were you seeing? What led you to spin off and go for your next jump? So in the early days, I was at Avant in 2012, and it was the early days of cloud. A lot of people were shopping and interested, but it wasn't necessarily leading to quick transactions in the way that this kind of brokerage channel was used to. And so my future partner and I decided to spin off and start Acclivity. And it was really around kind of building a, a more consultative kind of management consulting approach around how to buy cloud and transition from on-premise infrastructure and kind of old world technologies into new cloud contact center and and cloud-enabled networking as well. And so at the time, the trend was a lot of shopping and not a lot of moving forward. And we kind of realized that selling on product feature or price isn't actually helping clients make progress. And and there was an opportunity to kind of deliver value a different way, which was really kind of the genesis for what we built there. And you were at Clivity for how long before you were like, I'm out, I'm going to do my own thing? Yeah. So it was about a seven-year run and sold my share in July of 2020 and then ended up launching C-Exponent last year. You know, for me, I took a lot out of that experience. It was really a great run. I grew a ton myself, but we also had like a really great group of people that were ultimately the company culture was kind of say yes and figure it out. And it brought a lot of growth for the people in the organization, which was really fulfilling for me. So ultimately, as you know, launch C-Exponent and being an entrepreneur, I really didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life until going through that. It was like something I thought would be nice, but I wasn't necessarily hell-bent on this is what I need to do. I need to go around and build a company. And you know, I kind of got the the bug bit me for sure. And, and I'm back. <laughs> I think I'm pretty unemployable right now, actually, to be as someone else's uh, to work for someone else. So <laughs> that's pretty accurate, actually. I, I will agree <laughs> with that. In terms of starting CXponent, what were you seeing in the market and what led you to focus on what we're focusing on and how we're doing business? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think more than ever today, the opportunity to add value in the middle and helping clients kind of refine and understand what they want and then really filter through all the noise in the market. It's as acute today as it ever has been, and it probably will get worse in terms of the quantity of options in the market, the amount of capital that's going into growth and sales and marketing that actually puts even a higher burden on clients in theory to help themselves serve, but it actually kind of creates confusion. And so that's one area that, you know, instead of being a sales led organization where we're replacing five sales meetings with like two or three, we really want to give clients the kind of the right information to be educated and kind of self-serve their way through the purchasing process to build confidence and still have that kind of white glove advisory to make sure that we're validating and helping them build consensus to move forward. And so like that, the general trend of high quantity of vendors, so many options, the blurry categories of which products do what. And also, you know, I think the buying committee and the way software and just enterprise purchases happen is a lot more cross-functional than it's ever been today. And it, you know, it used to be either single threaded with NIT and the old, old world or potentially just a business unit, but it's really a collaborative effort, especially for the things that we do that touch architecture and infrastructure and real-time communications like voice and video. The, the risk is really large in those projects in terms of what the worst case scenario could happen. The upside is also really big. And so, you know, that's kind of where, where we want to fit in, which is nice because this agent channel still added a lot of value, but in the old world, it was a lot more about commodity brokerage of telco and kind of like for like replacement. And so now there's this huge opportunity to add more client value as they go through these options. Yeah. One of the things that we always discuss with clients and prospects really is this ability to create trust between the buyer and the seller. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more about that? Well, you know, I think the quantity of vendors, it puts clients in a difficult position to like figure out who's trustworthy, right? And, and like the cycle or the path to get there, you know, it's kind of challenging to do remotely anyway, much less when there's three to five or seven options, right? And so I think now more than ever with the world changing as quickly as it is, clients should want and lean towards vendors and, and the sales organizations that they trust, not just the sales rep, but the executive team and kind of the what's behind them. But I'd say it's also probably more challenging than ever to find a short path to know who to trust, right? And so what I view one of the biggest opportunities in our business, but it's also one of the biggest challenges is how do we separate ourselves as kind of a trust broker, kind of, you know, providing some insurance around when vendors say something and we're validating and holding them accountable, ultimately how much trust can be built in a really quick period of time when the client doesn't have that entire burden on them to figure out what it is or, you know, have a path to go to get, get there. Let's get off topic for a minute. I want to talk about some of your passions because I know you have some interesting passions and I want everyone else to learn a little bit more about them. So I really like spending time with my family, which I guess goes without saying, but that's especially when we're traveling and not working. You know, my wife and I met in Australia. My family did a decent amount of traveling growing up. And now that our kids are a little bit older, they're six and three now. It's like they get so much joy out of traveling and growth and development and they absorb the world around them. Like that for me is something that, you know, I think we'll always have as a big part of our life. I actually, I really enjoy learning and self-improvement and kind of learning a lot or at least a little bit about a lot of things. And so big podcast consumer, you know, as I mentioned, and it's also just like learning how smart people have like been there and done that before. You know, there's probably never been a time a better time to like have the world's knowledge at your fingertips. And, you know, that's kind of fun for me to kind of dive in. I also big fan of music. Our family listens to music around the house. I'm a very big hip hop fan. 
All right. So that leads me to my next question. If you could pick one person, dead, alive, or fictional, who would it be and why to have dinner with? Yeah, I think definitely Kanye West. For sure, although he's had a rough couple of years, I think, in terms of the court of public opinion. I mean, actually, it's probably it's, he's probably been polarizing for a long time. I know a lot of that's intentional. I think the influence on music, he's always been ahead of his time. He's clearly a musical genius in many ways. And his actually long-term influence on all of pop music today, you know, you can look back on his albums 10, 15 years ago that, you know, still have traces of that. There's actually a really good quote from Chance the Rapper on this. I've, I've got to find the, the right way to frame this. So he's like, yeah, Kanye is, you know, irascible or angry sometimes and people don't misunderstand him. But like, if you were truly like one of the smartest musical people in decades, if not centuries, that's ever touched this earth and people didn't understand you, you might be, you know, it would be challenging. Well, I also think he probably has some mental illness, which is sad, but it ultimately pretty exposed. I'd love to catch him on a good day have a nice long dinner and yeah, just understand how he thinks, which is be pretty cool. All right. Would you cook or would you take him out and ask for a paper menu as you typically do? <laughs> I would absolutely go out and demand a paper menu so <laughs> we could talk to each other and not be distracted by our phones. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to just where you are in the industry. What is one thing that you keep telling people that you keep meeting which is kind of a unsolicited advice, I would say, that you find yourself repeating over and over and over again. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people are saying this, but I think it's it's true is that, you know, these technology, just in the context of purchasing and deploying and ultimately actually using technology and enterprise software, there is so much time and energy and effort spent on features and function and use cases and security validation. And a lot of that stuff's really important to go through. But I think there's kind of an iceberg of work where the, there's you know the top three to five or seven things in a project that usually really drive the most business benefits. And it doesn't eliminate the rest of the 80% of the work that needs to get done. But it also, you know, there's a better path than circling and getting confused by 100% of that work, right? The deep dive and analysis can really be left to, you know, I think usually a handful of drivers, like, you know, the type of use case, the overall business benefit, you know, there's just a, a variety of things that if we spend our time focusing on those things, it puts everyone in a better position to actually go and execute. And which is really the theme or my soapbox is, if we're not talking about things like change management and what's the change communications, how do we include people in you know what what should bring value to our business in this project? Understanding the training, the adoption metrics, and how are we encouraging success? That's all the people side of this that is you know it's ultimately not capturing enough value at scale for a lot of organizations, right? And there's a lot of organizations that use 20% of the features in a software platform. And maybe it provides 80% of the benefit, but often there's still a gap between what an organization thought they were getting and then what it ends up happening. And that often can be traced back to the people. Cool. And then last question, what are your expectations for this Catalyst Club? So I'm really excited about the Catalyst Club. You know, in my career, I've been involved in a couple different groups like this. And for me, I would say, you know, call it selfishly, I get a lot of fulfillment and energy and motivation out of connecting people that I know and like and trust and are smart and can help others with others. And so that for me is exciting and motivating. And that's something I personally get out of it. I also know there's this huge mismatch on 
I think people on the client side and buyers and users of the, these technologies that have, you know, maybe narrow experience or limited experience when going to use cloud software, right? Or communication software or CX software. And there's also like a big group of people, and a lot of them are people we've done business with in the past. We actually have a tremendous amount of depth and experience doing that. And if we can kind of help matchmake, not only for shared experiences, learning about particular vendors, so you don't have to wait for a vendor filtered sales reference. You can just talk to someone who's actually been there and done that. You know, that would be a huge win. Also, when it comes to networking, being able to find the next job or the next role and understanding what people are doing, I hope that that's an outcome of some of this and that people can just ultimately share their experiences and learn from it. Because there's a lot of, by now, you know, we're call it six to seven years in, in terms of real mainstream, what I call mainstream cloud adoption and contact center. That means there's a lot of smart people out there, but it doesn't mean everyone's done it either. So that's probably the number one thing I'm looking forward to it. And also really learning from everyone ourselves. We have a unique window. I think we've got a lot of expertise on this stuff. There's so much to learn and keep in front of that it'll be cool for us to get a window into what clients are thinking and buyers really need help on when it comes to buying from vendors. Okay, great. Any last thoughts before we sign off? No, no, I'm excited. I really am happy that you're taking this on. I really have longtime podcast listener for me and the idea that we can have a platform. And this kind of goes to the Catalyst Club idea is like not only a platform for us to learn, but also provide a, a platform or an outlet for our clients to get their name out there and their experiences and if we can be a part of that, whether that's in-person meetings or through this podcast, that's really excited. So thank you for jumping in and taking this on. I'm really happy to have you leading it. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I will call you crazy, but I, you know, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> that's all for episode one. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it. I do have a special announcement that we will be recording an episode live on Zoom that will take place on May 24th at 12 p.m. Central Time with our guest speaker, Sinead Aylward, VP of Contact Center Technology at Endurance. She will be speaking about data doesn't lie. You don't actually need to return to the office. How to use data to improve call center operational excellence and return to office with purpose and not for the sake of routine. I have linked the registration page for that event to the show notes. In there, you'll also find a link to our LinkedIn group for Catalyst Club. Just send a request and I will be sure to let you in. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to subscribe as well as share with others who might be interested in the topics we'll be discussing. And until next time, bye bye.